With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Monday, October 26th. Last week of October. October really flew by for me. I don't know about you. And I just want to say that both Mark and I are jacked up today because we did a 60-minute bike ride. Now, we took different classes, and we are both somewhat peculiar in our riding habits. Most of the riding occurs before 7 o'clock in the morning. But I think you're going to feel a lot of energy. You're going to be like, why are they all jacked up? Because of that bike ride. Mark, are you feeling okay, or do you feel tired right now? Mark says that around 2 or 3 o'clock this afternoon, he's going to be kind of maybe napping on the old couch rooney I doubt it. I don't think you're even a napper. So Mark and I both have Pelotons. I have a Peloton in the city, but not where I am right now. I have another stationary bike, but I use the app. And now we're going to try, we're going to, try to coordinate taking the same class at the same time. Have you ever done? I've never done a live ride. He did a couple of them early on. But anyway, I'm not telling you what my name is for any other Peloton users, but I do love the Peloton and I know it's a ton of money and it's ridiculous. But we traded in two gym memberships for one Peloton. So that worked out like financially was actually a good deal. So happy we did that before the lockdown. All right, let's get to you. Uh, if you have a financial question, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address, askjill at jillonmoney.com. Okay, now Nikita writes... The subject is when to buy rental property. My annual income, $150,000. Partner's income, $90,000. We just purchased a home three months ago in my name only. A $590,000 mortgage. The house is worth somewhere between $650,000 to $675,000. Monthly expenses are $4,500 split between the partners. $100,000 in the emergency reserve fund. I'm not sure... Um, how much she, his partner or her partner, I'm not really sure if that's a man or a woman, Nikita, um, has an emergency fund, but I know she contributes 5% to a 401k. Nikita says, I contribute 6% to a 401k. I'm also putting $500 a month to a taxable Charles Schwab account and putting an additional $1,000 into savings for future major purchases. I pay my credit cards off in full. I don't have any other debt besides the mortgage, no kids. When would I be financially ready to purchase a rental property? Also, would you put a large amount down or keep the money in the emergency fund? I'd be looking at a range for a rental property of about $120,000 to $150,000. All right, this is interesting. First of all, I don't, why are you putting so much money into the taxable Schwab account? I'm thinking a couple of things. One is I'm wondering... Um, since you say partner, I'm not, I, I presume you're not actually married. So now I'm just looking at your single, you know, head of household, right? Single head of household in 2020, you could actually make a Roth contribution if we get your income down under, uh, let's say 139,000. So instead of putting the 500 a month to the Schwab account, what I might do is I might boost my 401k contribution to try to drive your annual income down. And then the money that you have that you've been putting into the 
Schwab account, I'd put into a Roth IRA. So that to me makes more sense. Now, to your real nut of your question, I need to know more about you. What is the obsession with rental property? You know, rental property can be amazing. It is a huge burden. It is a lot of work, but you've got to do your homework before you even do it. And then you really have to understand that this is a separate job managing this property. Can you do it? Do you have the time? Do you have the energy? If you don't, and you're going to hire a rental agent, then that's going to eat into your profit. So all of these questions are important to consider. In terms of putting money down, to make a rental property work really well, you actually leverage it, meaning you use a mortgage for as much as you can. That is likely to make the yield on your property much better. But I really want to encourage you to consider whether or not you have the the wherewithal to really manage a rental property. And you should start comparing what's going on in the neighborhood and finding out rents. And you know, you've got to really presume that you may be sitting on a property that could be empty for a couple of months every year. So run the numbers, make sure, but mm, I got to tell you, it always makes me nervous. And also, by the way, you're like chasing in a housing market that's pretty hot right now. Gail writes, my husband and I are both 47-year-old teachers. We make combined just under $200,000 a year. We own our home, seven years left on the mortgage. We just drew $80,000 from our home equity line of credit uh, for much needed house projects over the summer. My question, should we focus on paying down the HELOC or putting the money towards retirement? We both have roughly $250,000 in accounts. We contribute 10% a month. I have a traditional IRA worth $150,000. We've got bonds and brokerage accounts. The interest rate on the HELOC is variable. We haven't been funding a Roth. I do have one with minimal money. The home is valued at a million bucks. Interesting. There's only seven years left on the mortgage. I'm leaning towards paying off that home equity line because versus your retirement, because since you're both teachers, I presume you both have pensions. And so I imagine if we did a quick retirement plan for Gail and her husband, that that we would find that their retirement is probably fine. So I'm going to lean towards paying down the home equity and making sure that that's done and presuming that if I miss something and it's, it's not, that's not the case, you don't have pensions, let me know. But I think that that's probably right. Okay. Here is a question from Jose who writes, Dear Aunt Jill, my wife and I are about 21 years from retirement. Oh, very precise. 21 years. We have three children ages nine to 13. I'm a longtime listener of the podcast. I love listening to the show on the morning walks with my dog. I've been investing in my employer retirement offerings since my first job out of college and have rolled savings out of previous employers into IRAs throughout my career. About three years ago, in an effort to set up a kind of bake-off between different accounts, I moved some of our savings funds into two different robo-investment options. I haven't been very diligent about rebalancing my self-directed account over the years, but on the positive side, I sure I didn't sell during the crisis nor when the pandemic hit. Overall, I've probably averaged about seven and a half to eight percent annualized over the last twelve years. Great, we have six hundred seventy-five thousand dollars in retirement assets invested in various accounts and providers. Then goes through and he gives me all the money and the accounts, and I also put twelve grand a year to a new employer four hundred one k. I want to simplify and potentially consolidate my savings. That's good. I have done pretty well overall. I've likely taken on more risk than I needed for the return. On the one hand, I want to keep expenses low by indexing. 
But on the other hand, I want to make sure I don't screw anything up in the next 21 years before I retire by not properly maintaining my investments. Should I consider one of Fidelity's managed offerings to us? The digital robo-advisor costs 0.35% and a wealth services managed product 0.84% if I were to consolidate. Thank you for all that you do and keeping us grounded during this crazy time, JD. Okay, so JD, here's the deal. You have all these options. You're asking a philosophical question. Do I believe in the robo-advisor? Yes, I do. And one of the big questions that people ask me, like, which one's the best? They all have slightly different bells and whistles. But what I'd like you to do is to tell me, since you have an account at Betterment and you have an account at Fidelity, I'd like to know from your perspective, which platform is easiest for you to navigate? So, you know, I think either one is fine. I don't think you have to pay 0.84%. I mean, the digital robo products, whether it is at Betterment or whether it's at Fidelity, or by the way, there's other ones, there's Vanguard and Schwab as well. Those are all, they're all great options. Unless you need advice with those funds and you just want money management, any one of them will be perfectly good for you. So it has to do a little bit more with, you know, how much you like a platform more than anything else. So give it a whirl. All right. Okay. David writes, hi, Jill. I'm 55. My wife and I make hundred grand a year. Four kids, no debt. I'm worth $1.7 million. By the way, Mark, do you like this? They make hundred grand a year and they got $1.7 million. In other words, people will often say to me, you only have millionaires who come on your show. It's not that, but this guy is writing to me and this is a very diligent person. So he's got a $400,000 house and then he's got seven, eight, he's got 1.3 in CDs, annuities, private loans, and stocks and mutual funds. That's darn good on a hundred grand a year. Thank you very much. Okay. So the question is about a CD and cash position. There's 400 grand in there. And Dave says, we don't need to risk in the market. We're okay with getting 2% interest, but everything's coming due. And I certainly don't want to get a half a percent interest that uh, is now being offered. If the market tanks, we'd put 200 grand in a discounted market, maybe 100 grand in stocks, dividend stocks. What are your thoughts on tax-free munis, taxable, doesn't have to be Vanguard. I can buy and sell these. Do you have to hold them? What do I think of Admiral Funds? Love the show. Love you and Mark, Dave. Well, Dave, here's what I think. I'm pretty agnostic about the idea that like, you know, do you have to have uh, a Vanguard fund or not? I mean, I, I like Vanguard. I think it's a great company. But what I would say is that you've got to look at the taxable versus tax-free to see if it makes sense. I don't think at a hundred grand, it makes it's going to make sense for you to do a tax-free muni. I really don't. I would look at probably a taxable account I don't know if I want to be market timing. I think you have to decide how much money you want to have in cash, which is comfortable for you. And maybe that number is really like, I really always want to have a hundred grand in cash. And then you can dollar cost average in. But, you know, if you're waiting for the market to tank, I don't know if you could do it. That's great, but it's hard to do. And I think you should, then you're going to have to really decide how much risk you want to manage going forward. So my suggestion is this. Let's work backwards. You got a bunch of money. Looks to me like things are good for you guys. You've done some planning work and you've worked hard to get where you are. And if you don't want risk in the market, then maybe the idea would be to try to just use, instead of a CD or cash position, different kinds of investments in the fixed environment and not go into the stock market. 
even if the market fell at 40%, which may or may not ever happen, you're probably not going to want to do anything at that moment except hug your cash. So I think that probably it's going to be a Vanguard taxable, but do leave some money in that cash position because it is important to have that. Okay. This is from Laura, who says, thank you and Mark for putting together the Everyday COVID Market Report and helping so many people during this challenging time. I hope you're both staying healthy. I was curious what your honest opinion is about the company Edward Jones and their practices and their fees. Is there a fiduciary financial advising company you highly recommend? Will you be my financial advisor? Thank you, Jill. And then there was a follow-up. She goes, oh, we have life insurance through Penn Mutual. We've received a letter from Penn Mutual encouraging us to turn our term insurance into permanent life insurance. It's a special conversion, blah, blah, blah. What should I do? Um, I love your show, newsletter, and website. I haven't read your book yet. That's next. Okay. I don't like to like necessarily comment on like Edward Jones versus Merrill Lynch versus Payne Weber. Uh, Payne Weber. I don't even know if Payne Weber exists anymore. It doesn't. UBS um, or Morgan Stanley. Like these are all big brokerage firms, and they have different models that allow you to choose how you pay them. I think the most important thing that I can say to you, Laura, is that if you want real financial advice. We want to try to look to somebody who is a fiduciary. And so you've already mentioned that. And there are plenty of people at Edward Jones who are fiduciaries, because if you have the CFP mark, you still have, you have to act in a fiduciary. You have to basically make sure you take care of somebody at all times. Now, if you don't want one of these big companies, what you could do is you could try to find somebody through an organization called NAPFA, N-A-P-F-A, NAPFA.org. And NAPFA is fee-only fiduciaries, meaning they either have a flat fee, they will not collect commissions, they'll give you advice. And that may be something that I, I'm sort of reading between the lines that you're a little suspect about what what's going on right now for you in terms of the advice. And reality is that for a lot of people, getting an individual who does financial planning is really helpful, but maybe it's more than you need. I don't know. Maybe one of these robos that has advice attached to it is really a better choice for you. So you didn't tell me a lot about what was going on in your life otherwise and how much money you have, but that may be a possibility. Don't convert your term policies. You didn't mention how old you are, but don't convert your term policies into permanent life insurance. That's definitely a loser. Take a deep breath. Give me a holler if you need me. I don't give financial advice for a living anymore. I just do it here on the radio or the uh, podcast universe. So uh, let me know if you have any follow-up questions. Really happy to talk to you. Well, that is it. That's the program today. If you have a financial question, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is askjill at jillonmoney.com askjill at jillonmoney.com. Don't forget when you go to our website, you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter and you can also check out other episodes that we have been running. And I think that's it, right, Mark? That's it. So let's remind you to wash your hands, wear your masks, maintain your physical distancing and try to lift somebody up today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 